and welcome to Out to Lunch, the podcast where I get to chat to a fabulous guest while eating at one of the finest establishments that will let us through the door. This edition was recorded in New York before lockdown happened. Remember those days? We got to eat at the Michelin-starred Crown Shy in the heart of Manhattan's financial district, a dime's throw from Wall Street. Not that I throw dimes because I might hurt someone. As you'll hear, Crown Shy does astonishing things both with chickens and with vegetables. Oh yes. I was there with a comedian and darling of the panel shows known for his TV series The Misadventures of, Judge Ramesh, Ranganathan and his podcast Hip Hop Saved My Life. It is of course Ramesh Ranganathan. I think it might have been the sort of almost erotic way that I was regarding my dad as he tucked into him over. Ramesh! Very well. Very good to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you for coming to lunch. Thank you for having me. In a slightly, I mean, it's always a slightly odd setup, but we're, we're in a private room with one table in the middle. I've never done lunch like this, but I'm, Have not, you not? I'm not against it. No, I, well, I thought it was important to introduce you to new experiences. Yeah, thank you. When did you get to New York? Last night. Really, just last night? Yeah. So are you somewhat... Well, completely whacked, or as far as you're concerned, it's dinner time in your head, so well, that's fine. Well, I, from about... 3 till 6am this morning I did a lot of work where I just woke up and I thought well there's no point going to sleep so this is a proper podcast I mean my podcast is I do a podcast that's not as professional as this (laughs) this is great is it? professionalism (laughs) this is really good yeah I'm very impressed oh thank you this is Alex who will be serving us today hi Alex I'm Ramesh nice Nice to to meet you. you would you like a drink? sparkling water there's some good non-alcoholic cocktails if you're thinking that would just knock me out in my jet lag state or you can oh, what I, do you fancy i will have a, a sparkling water please sparkling? what are you getting i'm well i'm, I'm, just, I'm often led by the person I'm, are you I'm with, yeah. well i'm going to try one of the uh, the non-alcoholic beverages i love the word beverage mm. we don't use it enough do we in the uk no but there's a hip-hop song that came out i say hip-hop yeah it was hip-hop british hip-hop song that, that it was called beverage but they pronounced it beverage i liked it <laughs> Um, I'm going to have a ginger jammer. That sounds good. What is, what is togarashi? So it's like a sesame, salty sort of spice um, that we mix with the mango. Okay, I'll try one of those as well, thank you. Brilliant. I have to have that menu because that's uh, got things that once had a pulse. Right, okay. And then you have a menu of things that never had great, a pulse. Great. You have that's a vegan menu. That's great. Thank you for sorting that out. Um, you've said in the past that you're always kind of slightly anxious in restaurants, that you feel like you're about to be overlooked or not treated properly. Is that anxiety not present today on the grounds that you're sitting on one table in the middle of a private dining Well, room? listen, if I was to complain about the setup today, yeah. that, that would be incredible, wouldn't it, for me to... For it me would. You can give expect, it a go if you like. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's got. I think it's got loads better. I mean, like I, I've been vegan for about eight years now. And prior to that, you were vegetarian. vegetarian. Yeah, uh, but, and I think that it, when I started, when I first became vegan, it's very. It wasn't difficult. I don't like being awkward at restaurants. And what I what would be you'd be out with friends and stuff like that, and then they say, oh, "Let's pop in here to get something to eat," and I know that I'm going to have to make some sort of special request or something like that. And that's fine, and they'll always be very accommodating, but it's just a bit awkward, and then your friends take the piss out of you, do you know what I mean? Because none of my friends are vegan, and they think being vegan is something I do because I work in telly or whatever. You know, they can't connect with it, my mates, do you know what I mean? They just think it's insane. Well, you're talking, so you're talking about your, your mates from home, your yes, mates from Yes, yeah, yeah, like they, they, they love ripping the shit out of me about being vegan, do you know what I mean? I'll give them a carrot, 
Oh, give him some water, you know, all that kind of uh, awful banter. But now, apart from like when I'm doing the travel shows, I can't think of the last time when I've been to a restaurant and they haven't had some sort of vegan option. So I think that it really, I mean, it's improved so much. I feel sport now almost. You know I mean? Well, there's three choices of starter and two of main there. Wow. Oh, it's like it's like the cat. <laughs> Will you um, be offended if I order meat? Not at all. Mm. I no. mean, it wouldn't have stopped me if you'd said yes, but right. I, I was just. If I'd have said I found it absolutely dis- absolutely abhorrent, you would have still ordered. I just want to know. I mean, uh, well, I think for the dynamic of the interview, it could have been kind of quite interesting, <laughs> don't you? If you were actually sitting there in a seething rage yeah. throughout the entirety <laughs> of lunch. Uh, no, but I don't mind at all. Go for it. Wow. Well, they look pretty. This is. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, do you do you want to check anything on these dish descriptions? Uh, let's have a no. I, I think this is fairly. I can handle this. Can you handle this? Yeah. We've got this covered. Uh, faro. The faro. Yeah. Great. What is that? <laughs> faro. So it's a it's a type of grain. Right. I will have the faro for Maine. Yeah. Great. Um, and for start, I've just gone ahead and ordered. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you sure? I don't want to be rude, Joe. No, no. Okay. I, it's a restaurant. That's that's what. Okay, happens. no, uh, yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I got really awkward there. That's I've excellent. just gone straight in. Um, and for the starter, can I have the acorn squash, please? Thank you very much. Jay will have the same. He's having vegan as well. So that's a sort of a little <sighs> Jay won't. Jay will have the fluke crudo, and then I'll have to have the. Uh, Grilled citrus marinated chicken, given its, you know, the signature dish. dish. If someone signed a dish, then I want it. That's brilliant. Thank you. So when you're 12 years old, you announce you want to be vegetarian. Why was that? What what Uh, was it? One of my friends had, like, he was from uh, Hong Kong, and his mum had given him this little booklet about eating animals the whole thing about the cruelty, not the cruelty, but the, the, the philosophy of, of, eating, of eating dead things, basically. And I read that and I just decided I never wanted to eat an animal again, basically. So I, I just went home that day and just said, I want to be vegetarian. But then a few years later, when I went to uni, I fell off the veggie wagon. What was it that tempted you to the dark side? I was at a restaurant called The Red Rose in Kingston. And so it was a restaurant just around the corner from my halls of residence. And I just decided that I fancied a chicken curry. And I had it, and it was delightful. And then I started eating meat while I was at uni, but I didn't have the heart to tell my mum that I'd... So you were basically vegetarian in in university holidays? Basically, yeah, 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 absolutely right, yeah. And so I was sort of in the closet. But my mum was like, would cook meat for my dad. And I remember, like, sort of thinking, God, that smells amazing, but I can't have it. And then just watched my dad tuck in, because I love my mum's cooking. And so I just sit there. And then eventually, I think they, fi- well, they did figure it out. Because one day my mum said, have you been eating meat? And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, go and help yourself. And so I absolutely smashed through every single bit of lamb curry. How do you think she worked it out? What, what were the giveaways of a meat eater and kind of suddenly? I think it might have been the sort of almost erotic way that I was regarding my dad as he tucked into it, maybe. <laughs> Sort of like sort of showing signs of showing signs of so much arousal that they that he must be. <laughs> there's only two. There's only two possibilities here, and one we can't deal with. So let's go for the other one. <laughs> yeah, one is massively preferable to the other. Um, 
this is a lavage. Right. Um, essentially, a focaccia that's stretched really thin. Okay. Um, sort of to form a cracker. And then this is our house-made olive bread. Um, it's a pull-apart bread, and this is a pressed yogurt labneh. Wow. Yeah. Mine's pretty, and so is yours. <laughs> Actually, this is rather gorgeous. It's a whole loaf of bread which has been, appears to almost have been pre-sliced. I've not seen anything like that, but it looks beautiful. Welcome to New York. Yeah, I mean, I've I'd heard the stories. <laughs> By the way, how difficult is it doing a podcast while eating? I mean... It's we, we had Catherine Ryan on our podcast. This mm. is the only person that's ever eaten on our podcast. And we had so many complaints about... One, you and I are probably going to have lunch, and lunch will take a bit, you know... A certain amount of time, so we can edit. Great. Anything that... Uh, Anything too disgusting. Too disgusting comes okay, out. Fine. And then the other one is, it's called out to lunch. No. The podcast is, I take someone out to lunch. Got you, got you. So if, you, if your main complaint about my podcast is, they're having lunch, then you're kind of not really with the project. Yeah, but then I would argue that we are in a, a time when people would complain about that. Do you know what I mean? It, uh, Ramesh, we're in a time when people would complain about literally anything. <laughs> They have, they have avenues to do so. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, a great story in your, in your bio that the first comedy you ever did, was it Pontins? Yeah, Pontins. And, and a bunch of frankly racist anti-Irish jokes. Let's talk about that for a while. Um. <laughs> do you know what? Yeah. That- I stole so much of that material from that, this joke book I had at the time. And in that joke book was loads of racist jokes. And, and it was just... It was so bad, but I, you know, I didn't, it didn't occur to me at the time. I mean, if you if you were nine, and you're forty one now, I'm trying to do the maths. This would have been eighties sometime, yeah. Right? Yeah. How um, did it go? How, how, how was your set received? Was it what, a talent show or something? It was a talent show. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't competing against other comedians, but I mean, I won. Jay. Oh, you won. Yeah. Oh well, know. shit. It doesn't matter that you were. Turns out, racism pays. <laughs> and you were offered a whole season at Pontington. <laughs> Well, the truth is, people just couldn't believe that a kid of that age was doing stand-up. That's the truth of it. I mean, I, I won the competition sheerly by dint of, like, novelty factor, I don't think. Didn't you also do a fake accent? Yeah, God, it was... <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I just sort of... Had you borrowed your dad's or something? Yeah, I just basically did it in my dad's accent, which I gave no reason for. Um, I just did the whole thing... I don't know if I, if I felt like racism would be more acceptable if it's coming from an immigrant. Well, maybe you could step back and say it was just incredibly meta that by, by othering yourself yeah. and then doing jokes that were racist, yeah. you were making a statement about... I'm just trying to help him, mate. Thank and you so much. No, that's good. I wish I'd put that in the book, really. I, I think the truth is, is that I thought my dad's accent was funny. <laughs> and so... I thought it's going to be funnier if I do it like that rather than my own voice. So that's where that came from. It's pretty bad, really. There's two levels of racism to that, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Irish stuff and then the fact that I just think that a Sri Lankan accent is funny just by its very... Well, you it's can a, say it's that. It's the first time I've reflected on that. I've got to be honest with you, I'm not proud of it. Well, as long as it doesn't put you off your lunch. <laughs> no, this is great. I think we have starters appearing. Great. So this is the acorn squash. Thank you. There's blood orange segments, uh, mustard greens, and a pepita crumble. And this is the flute crudo with dehydrated citrus and a sesame twill. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm trying to avoid the bread. It's too good. Would you like another drink? No, I'm fine. Thank you. The ginger jammer is excellent, by the way. Oh, good. I'm a big fan. Yeah. 
I feel the need to, to read off exactly what you've got there. I have got... Do you want to read it off? Yeah, you're eating. Yeah. Um, acorn squash, blood oranges, pumpkin seeds. It looks to me like they've done a puree as well as roasted them. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, it's very... The textures are very satisfying. Excellent. Mm. I think your life in food criticism is ready to go. Thank you very much. With a phrase like, the textures are very satisfying, that's it. The <laughs> job is done. You're, you're Thanks, absolutely sorted. Thank you very much. There were 20, was it 22 years between that gig and your, and your next one? Yeah, I don't want to... You don't want to peak too early. No, exactly. And I thought I'd just let that just stay for a bit. Let word of mouth spread. I'd sort of gave, I'd sort of forgotten about it, and then um, I carried on watching comedy as I got older, grew up, and then just l- many, many years later, I just said to my wife, who's my girlfriend at the time, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give it a go. You were a maths teacher, yeah, and you chose maths because you thought there'd be less marking. It's part of the reason, yeah. You were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> As a, as a man who's been helping his, his you know, 16-year-old son re- revise for his math GCSE. Well, that was part of the reason. The other, the other reason was I had a maths teacher when I was at school who was so horrendous and so terrifying and made it such an awful experience that I ended up pretending I was sick like when I had maths lessons coming up because I just didn't want to see him. And he made me... I remember this one particular incident that I thought, I, I, it stuck with me. And it's funny this, because it, it, this is part of the reason when I was going into teaching, there's little one-off incidents as a teacher you can, that will stay with that student forever and will change, will shape their attitude towards something. And I think it's such an important job. And I think you've got to be so careful. But basically, Mr Wilson had given us this maths question and I noticed that it was the same question as he'd given us yesterday, right? Now, it turns out this was by design, but I didn't realise it was. It was, I thought he'd made a mistake. So I put my hand up, I was perfectly polite, and I said, oh, Mr Wilson, I, th- I think you've, um, you've actually given us the same question as you gave yesterday. And he said to me, there's an orifice in the middle of your face, Ranganathan, and it's too big, shut it. And, like, I remember, like, thinking, I was just trying to be... Like, that is a kid, I was 11 at the time... I was trying to be helpful, and then I was, like, slammed in front of the whole class. And I remember thinking, oh, he hates me. And I don't know why, but he hates me. Now, he, 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 the truth is, he was, could have been having a bad day or he was pissed off that somebody had noticed that he was given the same question. The whole purpose of the exercise was for us to attempt this same question again and see how he got on. I still don't think it was right what he did, but it left with me, like, this horrible relationship with maths and teaching and it really threw me for a while but basically what happened was I was working as a as a I was working as a cost analyst and I decided I wanted to go into teaching and they had this like training position at the school in Crawley the cost analyst was at Gatwick wasn't it yeah the story you used to go to the bogs for a cry once yeah. every six or seven weeks yeah it was- <laughs> <laughs> was that a cost-benefit analysis that you worked out? That- well, what happened was, it's, the way you said that was so good. Um, what happened was, is one day I was working really late and I just thought, I don't give a shit about this job. Or, you know, I, I just can't believe this is my life now. You know, I, I found it, I suddenly just sort of got hit by 
the fact that I wasn't enjoying this at all, and I thought to myself, okay, this is what adult life is. This is what my life is, is doing a job like this that I hate. And so I ended up um, popping to the toilet. This is a bad time for you to come in and quit this place, actually. It's quite a dark story, I'm telling you. Um, so Thank you, Alex. So I ended, up, I ended up going to the toilet and just sitting there and, cr- and crying in the cubicle for a bit. Was it the first time you'd cried in a long time? You're an adult, or, or, or are you quite, to use the brilliant word, lachrymose? Oh, that's that's good. Lacry- you know, yeah. someone with a tendency to tears. I have become increasingly lachrymose as my as I've got oh, older. Oh, that's because you had children. They yeah, did. little <sighs> bastard. I know, <laughs> horrendous. But what happened was, is that I had that experience, and then I felt great when I sat down at my desk. I sort of thought, okay, I'll, I'll get on with this. And then that became a thing I did every now and again. And you sound like Holly Hunter in Broadcast News. <laughs> have you seen that film? Yeah. <laughs> Where she would unplug, in the old days when, you know, phones were plugged into the wall, and she would unplug the phone, put the phone to the side, and then sit there by the bed and weep. And she would plug the phone back in and everything was fine. Yeah, I... I, um, I never that, thought I'd compare you to Holly Hunter. No, but thank you. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, it's never happened to me before. No, oh, I, I want this to be a lunch of first. Thank you. But I realised after a while that that's pro- it's not a sustainable way of life, really. And if I've got to do something that I feel some sort of reward from over and above the money, right? So... Which I'm sure was huge. Yeah, yeah. in cost analysis. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I'm talking about, Joe. I do. Yeah. So um, I, just, I just want to big up the sacrifice that you made <laughs> in leaving the cost analysis job to go into teaching because children are our future. I have to say, I'm not taking, you know, that, that I'm getting laughs out of you. I'm actually ascribing that mostly to hysteria because you're jet lagged. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. So in your early 30s, you decide to give comedy a bash. Mm. I've asked comedians this before, and they always tend to have an answer, which is, do you remember what your first bona fide joke was? Yeah, I do remember. It was, uh... <laughs> this is awful now, by the way, but I'm just sort yeah, of... Yeah, that's fine. I had this bit about I had this bit about getting going to the petrol station, going to the 24 hour petrol station. This is so awful. <laughs> I feel so embarrassed about it. But I had this bit about going well, to Hang on, before you tell me, when you did it for the first time, did it kill? Did people laugh? Yeah, that became that became my go-to bit. Right? Okay, before you keep apologizing yeah. for, the, for this joke, we need to know that it worked in a in, Yeah, it's in just the room. that it's it's crass and it's horrendous. Great, I'm looking forward to it. So <laughs> so the <laughs> The joke, so I'd, I'd set up earlier on in the set, I talk about the fact that 24-hour petrol stations have a tendency to be staffed by people of Sri Lankan descent. You know, that was a stereotype I was sort of playing on. And I talk about going out on a night out, and I think, I want to go to 24-hour petrol station and get myself a copy of Asian Babes or something, or Babes, as I called it, that was a little joke. And then I'd go in, and then I'd, I'd go to the counter, go up to the counter, and who would be behind the counter but my Uncle Raj, right? And so, <laughs> right, and so then the bit goes... I mean, I couldn't buy Asian babes then. I'd have to ask him for something innocent, like a cheese and onion pasty or something, and then do something with that. Like, that that's, that that's the joke. <laughs> it's absolutely horrendous. But so it's it, the kill. It's, uh, it's pretty crude. Where was your first gig? Um, Please God, it's Crawley. No, it wasn't Crawley. Well, <laughs> I'm just Crawley. disappointed there. It was uh, in Shoreditch. It's a place called the Comedy Cafe. Comedy Cafe. And I didn't know anything about open mic circuit. So I just Googled stand-up comedy nights. And I saw they had this new app night at the comedy cafe. 
I phoned him up and I said, oh, I want to come and do a gig. I said, well, you have to have done like 20 gigs to come and perform here. And I just said, yeah, I've done 20 gigs. So they put me <laughs> so on. So you just lied? Yeah, yeah. So they put me on. It's not a foolproof screening process. No, no. In, in sure. my defence. They, they weren't looking for a picture ID <laughs> no. and an electronic kind of no, thumbprint. You just, you just need to say, yes, I've done 20 gigs. That's, that's the real requirement. But I just didn't have any idea of how to write material. I hadn't thought about that. I just sort of thought... I was still riding the crest of that wave of euphoria from the Pontins gig, you know, and I thought, um, I'm just going to... Well, you, you're, look, you're already, you're already an award-winning comic. Yes, exactly. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I didn't really give it enough thought or, or craft. And so I remember I was writing the set on the day, sort of finishing it off on the train on the way to the gig, because one of the conceits of stand-up is that it's, it's just somebody talking and... And the best stand-ups make it look easy. And so you can be... Fo- so I was. I basically thought it was easy. You know, I sort of thought, oh, well, I've watched loads of comedy. I know what it's about. I'll, I'll figure this out. So I went to the comedy cafe and uh, it was absolutely horrendous. I mean, I... Did you die? Died badly, yeah. Really badly. I mean... Did they, at the end, say, have you really done 20 gigs before? Did you... No, I did. Do you know what? I left, I left without speaking to... Because I thought it was, it, it, it was so obvious that I hadn't done 20 gigs. I mean, one, I didn't get any laughs... Two, I overran so much that they started blinking the lights on the stage on and off. And then I didn't realise that that's what... So not only were you shit, you were shit for too long. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Even then I didn't take the sign. I I started riffing about the lights failing. And actually, everybody in the audience knew that I was being... Gonged. Yeah. And I I didn't even... Is there anything sadder than somebody being gonged off who doesn't realise that's what's happening? (laughs) And it's sort of just sort of joking but about it. I mean, I'm curious, what was going on in your head? Were you thinking this is going fine or you've got to push through or this is what it's about or, or I, was that out-of-body experience? It, that's, I think, honestly think the, the, it was the out-of-body experience. I think that's the closest thing to it. I, it felt like I'd been on 30 seconds and then I came and the lights are flicking on off. I thought, and I, honestly, this is so embarrassing now to say it to you, but I thought I was being amazing, riffing on the light. I was just like, oh, my God, you're just coming up with this stuff off the top of your head about the lights. And the silence in the room? <laughs> that was, that, 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 <laughs> I didn't seem to need any empirical evidence as to like how like good I was. Laughter. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't need any of that. I was just riding that wave. And then I came out, I went outside and I said to somebody... I was having a cigarette outside. I said to somebody, one of the audience members, I said, oh, he said, oh, I saw you, well done or whatever. And I said, oh, yeah, that was my first ever gig, actually. And he said, uh, he said, you're really confident. He said, but you don't have any jokes. He said, like, he, didn't, he wasn't saying it in a horrible way. He was just sort of being genuine. He said to me, you didn't say any jokes. He said, but he said, you've got a, you look like you were going to be good. He said, you sort of had the manner, but he said, but you didn't say anything funny. But then after that, I went off and actually researched it properly and realised there's like an open mic circuit. So then I started gigging in Brighton almost exclusively, just doing loads of open mic gigs in Brighton. That, that's Crawley's up. Latin quarter, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly right, yeah. And started just working up, working up my set. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. 
Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is George Ezra, and earlier this year, I started a brand new podcast called Phone a Friend with one of my closest friends, Mr. Ollie MN. Ollie. Yeah, don't like the one of bit, but uh, <laughs> every week, George and I have a conversation about our weeks, what's going on in our lives, and the kind of main focus is checking in on each other's mental health. And we share stories, tips, advice, listener emails. And I swear to you, it's fun. I swear on my life. <laughs> it is. Well, we find it fun. We believe you might as well. So please search for Phone a Friend wherever you listen to your podcast. See you soon. Bye. Wow. All right. So this is the glazed farro. Thank you. With maitake mushrooms and this is the citrus marinated chicken. Wow. 24 hours um, with gem lettuce, watermelon radishes, and this is our crown chai hot sauce. And I think it has to be said that, in a way, ordering chicken with a vegan is hilarious because this one is very clearly from an animal. Yes, there's no doubt in that. Because the foot is there. Yeah. That's... Although I'm quite, I'm quite with that. If you're going to eat an animal, you need to know you're eating an animal. Yeah, I Thank like you. that. So Tom's also having... We allow the producers to eat. Right. No, I mean, I'm not against that. You sure? It's just that I haven't heard him order. So is it, does he just have what you're Oh, having? we have ways. No, he ordered before. Oh, okay. But you have had the same thing as Jay, haven't you? Both. The chef came and told us about it and it just sounded too good to not. Okay, fine. Yeah. All right. And yours looks very pretty indeed. It does, yeah. Although, does it, do you have more food on your plate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got much more. <laughs> So is that whole thing about being, you know, the resentment in restaurants and fearing that you're being overlooked, the fact that half a chicken has just been placed on my... Uh, well, it's just... <laughs> I'll be fine. How are you? It is a, that is a bigger portion size, isn't it? I'm not you complaining. No, thank you. <laughs> did you listen to Rainer on that, trying to get a vegan to eat chicken? Imagine if, we did, if I did it. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be great for the podcast, mm. I think. At what point did you decide that you were ready to... Quick, go professional. There's a couple of new act competitions. You've got a sort of rite of passage for new comics. And was quitting the job hard? Got small kids? Basically, it was, it was a pretty... It was pretty awful, cos... The agent I was with at the time said to me, if you really want to make a go at this, you're going to have to leave your job. And so we'd agreed to, for me to leave at Christmas, and we just had our second son in that September... So I was leaving at Christmas from teaching to go full-time in stand-up. And then three days before my last day of teaching, my dad died suddenly of a heart attack. Like, completely unexpected. Well, I say completely unexpected. His lifestyle was insane, but, but as unexpected as it could be. And then my brother and I had to sort of manage my dad's finances and look after all of that. You'd had a complicated relationship with him, hadn't you? 
yes. at one point. Obviously, you know, he, you said he went to prison. He yeah. wandered off at one point from the marriage, and that's not going to make it easy. No, he, he was he was um, he was very promiscuous. You know, he slept around a lot, and it was difficult for my mum. And then he went to prison, and then when he came out of prison, I remember like, my my relationship with him was very difficult because I've seen somebody behave like that towards my mum and it felt like he wanted to walk away from the family. He was in a relationship with somebody and, and it felt like he didn't sort of give a shit about us. And so you've got all of that going through your head as a yeah. kid. And so it was a difficult relationship. And, I, I, and then my mum and my dad reconciled and got very close. And my relationship with my dad... Actually, the truth is, is me having kids really brought my dad and I closer together because I saw how my dad was with my kids and... He was a different guy. Not a different guy. He would, he'd, he'd felt bad about what had happened previously and was, he spent the, the later years of his life trying to make amends for how he, how he behaved previously. How old was he when he died? 63. No age? Mm. That's, that must be infuriating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're allowed to be angry with people who die early, I think. Anger is an entirely reasonable response. Yeah, it is. It's difficult because I sort of feel like I didn't have enough years of him with us getting on. Right. With it being calm and nice. Like, at the very beginning, it was great. And then we went through difficulties, and then it was sort of horrible for a long time. And then it just felt like too short a time of... of, of Reconciliation. Yeah, and it, and it being great. Am I also allowed to say, shockingly bad start to a comedy career? Oh, <laughs> horrendous. Funny thing happened to me, other. I know. And so... This is delicious, by the way. The problem was, was that I was then trying to look after... My brother and I were trying to look after my mum. My dad's finances were a house of cards. Right. He had this pub that was hemorrhaging money that we had to sort of sort out. There's all that going on. And basically, I wasn't able to start my comedy career in the way that I would have liked. And so we basically didn't have any money for, like a, for a while. We just completely... We weren't able to pay the bills. It was just a, a complete disaster for a while. But it turned around. I mean, one of the things I have to say is you're 41 now. That was when you were 33. Mm. Yeah. So in just eight years, I'm going to call it, do we call it mercurial? Meteoric? I've always thought meteoric rise is a stupid phrase because meteors actually shoot to earth and crash and cause, you know, devastation. So I can't call it a meteoric rise. Um, <laughs> I'd never thought of it like that, but now no, you said it's it. A it's a worrying absolutely term. Absolutely ridiculous for anyone to say meteoric rise. In fact, I'll pick people up on it. Oh, I think you should. Yeah. And don't credit me. Um, <laughs> oh, I've got a mouthful now. No. A couple of thoughts occur. The first one is that you genuinely do seem to be a catastrophist, as in someone who, if, if you can think the worst of any situation, you will. Now, is that the real you or is that a persona for the column? No, that's a real me. Right. That's a real me. I mean, when I'm doing stand-up, everything I'm doing, I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to find... I'm trying to be as honest and as real as I possibly can be. And is I'm that because you think the humour is better when you're being Yeah, honest? I just think everything you do is of, of a higher quality when you're doing that. You know, I think the, the, my, the stand-up where I'm being the most honest is the best. The, the Guardian columns where I'm being the most honest are the best, where I'm really sort of almost to the point where I'm embarrassed to, to express my feelings on this because I feel how it's going to reflect on me. That's the best stuff, you know? And so it's as easy or as difficult as, as channelling that. So sometimes I think I access that more effectively 
in some columns than I do others. Then I have to ask, do you absolutely hate your own body then? Yeah. You really do? I hate my appearance, yeah. I, I, and my body is... I mean, I'm, I'm talking to you as a large man who, you know, when I go on TV, I'm, I'm saying, am I turned to the side? Because if I turn to the side, I'm a really big man. If I, yeah. I, I, I know which angles are better for me. Yeah. And yeah, I, st- I still seem to go on telly, even though it seems like a suicidal <laughs> thing to do. You do loads of television. Do yeah. you watch it back? I, I watch it back if I have to for the work. So if they, if they want edit notes from me, I'll watch it back. But I would never sit and watch myself on television, ever. If I no, there's no way. Well, you're not. looking pretty svelte, if I may. Thanks very much, Jay. Well, I've lost a bit of weight, but my relationship with my appearance is is, is difficult. I just sort of think I, I I can't think of a time. I couldn't tell you a time when I've ever thought I've looked good, and and I've just sort of accepted that because it's not everyone's god-given right to feel like they look amazing. Do you know what I mean? I t- I totally get that, but I think that I had those hang-ups anyway. And then when you go on TV. You're open to, to a bigger. Oh, it, a big I mean, it has to be said that you know, f- for a man who has hang-ups about his appearance, you've been. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yeah, don't you know. have been filmed, recorded in various states of undress. I know. I've never taken my clothes off like that. I know. I know. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, if it's part of the reason why people think I'm making it up, because it's, say, it feels like you've got it in your contract. I mean, at, at some point when they say, so, uh, Ramesh, what we'd like you to do for this sequence yeah. is if you could just strip down to your pants and stride into the saltwater ponds, uh, roll yourself in mud, then come out and be... Uh, do you not go, <sighs> do I? Should I? Do you mind? Well, I sort of think... Or is it's it just... good for a body like mine to be seen, you know? Pour encourage les autres. Yeah. To, to, to make other people feel better about yeah, themselves. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that he's sort of watching that game. Well, that, that looks bad, but he's doing it, so I think it's probably all right. But initially, I thought people were winding me up. When, when, when they say to me, you've got to take your top off for this, I say, you're doing this because you know that it winds me up to do this. But it wasn't. It was just like these are the different. This is what the different scenarios required. Um, a lot of your TV work, it does seem to. I mean, it's in a good way. Revolve about taking you and putting you into a situation where you will feel extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's an unpleasant niche that I found myself in. You know, where producers seem to think I'm at my best when I'm aggrieved or distressed. Yes, you may. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Your dessert choices are mildly limited, but mine aren't. Right. Well, I've got coconut sorbet. You've got I? coconut sorbet. Yeah. It's well, quite delicious. It's very, very good. Okay, great. Uh, I think I would like the Satsuma orange ice cream, the honey with toasted marshmallow, and then my pancreas will pack in and will never be heard of again. Oh, thank you. Actually, there is somebody on Twitter who picks me up on every uh, diabetes gag I ever make. They're always type 2 diabetes. I've never made a type 1 diabetes, because obviously that's... Picks you up saying what? Well, oh, yes, another joke about the pancreas, eh? Your, your, your material's getting old. I have that about when I talk about my eye, because I often sort of make little gags about my lazy eye. But it's not actually the eye that's lazy, is it? It's the eyelid. Correct, yeah. Um, as a result of... What was the childhood infection? I don't Anything know. Anything good? No, it wasn't great, but... Um, no, well, I, I had an infection when I was a kid and it left me with this droopy eyelid forever. 
Well, until I die, certainly. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I imagine, I imagine after that is I, forever. I imagine if, if does, I, yeah. when I die, it will continue to be droopy. It's not going to suddenly resolve itself. <laughs> but I, um, I make look at this corpse. Yeah, All yeah. of a sudden, so, he's cured. He looks great. What is it about him that's different? But I do make jokes about it, and people, I'll often get tweets saying, "Oh, another lazy eye joke." But that's better than them saying, "Oh, another race joke." So I'll take it. You once said, I mean, this is a very specific question, that uh, burritos were one of the seven things that didn't actually make you angry. Um, well, that's great research. Well, you know, I think it's only, only polite yeah. to check what makes you angry. Uh, first of all, should we discuss the burrito and its non-aggressive impact on your life? I, uh, or do you just think they're brilliantly... Tactile. I just, I, I just, I love everything about burritos. When the ratios are right and when it's done well, it's great. Um, it's, um, it's one of the most satisfying things to me for, for me to eat. It, I, I love it. So it strikes me that on this trip to New York, I need to remind people we are in New York. Yeah, we are, in New York. we are. It's quite a thing, isn't it? Yeah, we're in New York. We're both about to do our shows. Yeah. Uh, are you? It's the thing you're most excited about. The ready supply. Of quality burritos. I am going to be sampling a lot of burritos, I think, yeah. So I am excited about that. I, I need to go back. The other six things that don't make you angry. Oh. <laughs> uh, unless, of course, and it's a possibility, <clears throat> Ramesh, I, I acknowledge this, that the phrase is one of the seven things that don't make me angry was a, a line you threw in there without having necessarily identified the other six. No, Jay, here are the six. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> You don't uh, have a beat. I, I, I don't have them. I don't have them. Do you I have just, three? Three things that don't make me angry. Yeah. Mm, uh, <laughs> oof, that's tough. One? Uh, <laughs> one. My wife doesn't make me angry. I, I can't. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> Which is. <laughs> she doesn't make me. I don't get angry with her. Right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Obviously, you can't include the breakfast, kids. Breakfast cereal. Breakfast cereal doesn't. I'm it, a big fan of breakfast cereal, although being vegan, your options are slightly limited. But I'm a big cereal fan. Okay. What what um, m- milk alternative do you favour? I go for almond. You, do you drink milk? Yes. Well, a bit. Do you um, have breakfast cereal? Uh, I have. Yes, I do. I What's call it your... granola because I'm middle class. <laughs> And you have dairy milk on that, do you? Yes, yes, yes. And have you tried any of the alternative milks? Yes, I have. Almond milk makes me feel like I'm ravaging the environment, so that can't happen. Okay. Oat milk. You can't milk an oat. Correct. <sighs> somebody, somebody said to me that having oat milk on porridge is a weird, it's a weird inception style, because porridge is oats. Oh, God, it's practically cannibalism, isn't it? <laughs> it's a weird uh, situation. You're putting oat milk onto oats, yeah. I mean, that's as far as I'll take it. It's a tautology, thought. isn't it? Yeah, that's the one. A culinary tautology, like pizza pie. Yeah. You can't you say pizza pie because pizza is the it's Italian pie. pie. Yeah. So how do we go? Oh, so breakfast cereal doesn't make you mad? No. Um, that's it, really. Is that it? I think so. Hello. Our coconut sorbet with toasted coconut flakes. Thank you. And this is the Satsuma orange ice cream with uh, toasted marshmallow and honeycomb. I have to ask you: Has the producer has has Tom ordered two? I didn't know. Well, <laughs> he didn't, but we were we were speaking of the Satsuma, so we wanted you to try. It. Oh right, okay, <laughs> okay. 
How is your coconut sorbet? It's great. Excellent. Coconut sorbet for a coconut. I have to... <laughs> Didn't even occur to me. <laughs> and right at the end, we're going to make a racially insult you <laughs> with dessert. I could see when it arrived. Yeah. I saw the excitement between you and Tom there. It was like, a free song, wasn't it? <laughs> Me and the producer, we were excited by what we were oh, about no, to do to the you. The sorbet's coming out. I wonder how he's going to respond. <laughs> I wonder if he's going to get it. Oh. Well, clearly, right at the end, you did. So, frankly, <laughs> job done. Oh, I have to say, Ramesh Ranganathan, thank you very much for letting me take you out to lunch. Thank you so much for taking me out to lunch. It's been lovely. It's been a pleasure. I'll be absolutely honest, I think both Romish and I were a little off our heads on jet lag. And if you want to try some of the great food that we had, James Kent's restaurant Crown Shy is awaiting news on when it can reopen. To keep up to date, visit crownshy, all one word, dot NYC. That's crownshy, S-H-Y, all one word, dot NYC. If you'd like to hear more of the delight that is out to lunch, please do explore the archive of episodes. There's plenty to get your teeth into. And if you could stretch to a wonderful review and share us with your friends, we'd be ever so grateful and eventually so would your friends. So it's a win-win. Out to Lunch is a something else and Jay Rayner production. The music was written, arranged and performed by me, Jay Rayner and Robert Rickenberg. The mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer was Jemima Rathbone. The producer is Tom Koenig and the executive producer is Darby Doris. Additional production is from Steve Ackerman. Next week, it's journalist, broadcaster and screenwriter, Charlie Brooker. I sort of ran in and went, everywhere. What, in the restaurant? Yes. Okay. And just heard nothing but... 